0: Hi, this is Suparna Goswami, Principal Correspondent with Information Security Media Group. I have with me today Gerald Buschelt, CISO at In, the 10th largest SaaS company in the world. Today we will be discussing about GDPR. Welcome Gerald to the ISMG Discussion.
1: Thank you so much. Really appreciate to be here.
0: So Gerald, we all know that organizations dealing with any sort of European data, they now have to comply with GDPR. They don't really have a choice. So what are you seeing in terms of organizations being GDPR compliant since you have a presence across geographies?
1: Very interesting question. Really appreciate it. I think we are in a position right now where we're seeing that GDPR is now in the forefront of pretty much every company it has been realized that this is a new law European law that does not only affect European companies but anyone who has European customers which is pretty much any kind of global company even local companies that do interact a lot with with the European companies or European customers will be affected by that from my experience any of the larger companies have already been working on this for quite a while similar to us so we started the process pretty much two years ago in order to better understand what the law actually says, what we are required to do, how this relates to a lot of the privacy regulations that we have been already compliant with for a long time, and then what kind of changes ultimately were required from us in order to be as much compliant as possible in order to meet the the obligations under the law. So large companies, I feel, have already put together large multidisciplinary teams, including obviously IT and uh, development. Staff, but also uh, legal needs to play a very uh, key role, actually, the lead role, given that this is a regulatory requirement, and other parts of the company as well. GDPR readiness needs to be driven from the top, so uh, there, there needs to be a full commitment from uh, the company leadership, the executive team, the CEO, the board of directors, or whatever, whoever leads the company, and it needs to be really driven down into every single department to validate that the requirements are fulfilled, that the rights of the data subjects under GDPR are maintained and that uh, overall any kind of data processing activity that does take place does take place in a secure way because I mean data security is definitely one of the prerequisites for the data protection that the GDPR stipulates. For smaller companies we've seen different level of readiness, I think ultimately I'm fairly convinced that the vast majority will be able to, to meet the requirements. But at the same time, the complexities of the law and uh, sometimes the difficulties of fully truly understanding data processing activity across a large number of processors can be daunting, and definitely needs to be driven with full effort.
0: Sure. So, what kind of queries are you receiving from organisations with regards to GDPR, especially the smaller firms?
1: We've started to see a significant uptick in requests around GDPR for uh, quite a while. It. Really focuses on our role as a data processor in the GDPR sense. So we position ourselves as such, and we definitely are looking at how our responsibilities as a data processor relate to our processing activities, how we are using our sub processors, and uh, disclosure and transparency about uh, data processing activities, and security measures, privacy measures that we're putting in place are very much on the forefront of what customers are asking for. We've also seen in uh, growing interest in our overall compliance regime, so it is often enough not only important to have a good uh, position with regards to data privacy and security, but also to prove that. Uh, for that, we're using a, a number of different compliance regimes. We're producing SOC 2 type 2 reports to present uh, to our customers an independent uh, opinion of an ex- external auditor about our overall product security measures that we're putting in place. We're working with the uh, Privacy Shield Framework. We're self-certified under the Privacy Shield Framework in order to maintain a uh, sufficient privacy regime. And then finally, we're also working with the trustee to certify privacy practices. All of those together are definitely questions and uh, asks for my customer that uh, we need to fulfill and do.
0: Sure. So, you know, also there's thin line between data protection and data privacy. And as I understand, GDPR is more about data protection, but often people tend to confuse the two and they mm-hmm. completely use data protection as privacy. So have you seen organizations getting confused between the two? Uh,
1: I've definitely been confused myself. <laughs> so, uh, I think there, there are really three levels uh, that we need to take a look at data security, which is protecting the information from unauthorized access from leaking outside or from improper use. There's data protection, which talks about how the data is processed and that the overall security regime and contract requirements are are met. And then data privacy is really even one step beyond where I have, where we're talking about the self-determination right of an individual to really clearly identify what the data should be handled, how it should be handled, etc. Again, those are very legal terms. I'm not a lawyer. I may have still some uh, confused uh, opinions about that, but this is roughly how I understand it.
0: But do you see the general confusion about GDPR in the market? Not only about privacy but other things that are confusing your clients?
1: I would say it has been getting better. There have been a lot of discussions around GDPR. There have been a lot of clarifications what some of those data rights, some of those rights that the data subjects have ultimately mean. I think we've recently seen some confusions outside of the regulator with regards to what profiling may mean and in what circumstances explicit consent is required to perform profiling. The Article 29 Working Group has still been having a certain opinion about how this should go. IAPP has uh, <coughs> produced uh, some documents documentation that is somewhat contradictory to that. Ultimately, I think that a lot of the confusion will have to be interpreted by lawyers, by courts over the course of time, and we're we're, to some extent all still awaiting some clarifications what specific aspects of the GDPR mean. It's a very large body of regulation. It's very complex in, in many w- uh, ways, shapes, and forms. It implements a lot of things that have been already established for a long time on the one side, but on the other side, it does introduce new concepts. So we'll we'll see how this goes.
0: You said there's a lot of complexities around GDPR. So what do you think are the probably the most complex aspects in mm-hmm. GDPR?
1: Yeah, I think one of the uh, interesting areas that we've been looking at and struggling with initially was to fully understand our data processing processes. So what are we actually doing with the data? Where does it come from? Where does it go to? Who has access to uh, particular aspects of that? What is it being used for? We are obligated to uh, be very transparent about our data processing activities towards our customers and ultimately also uh, towards the end users. So having a full grasp of that is not always easy because, as you can imagine, any kind of large company over time um, implements a lot of internal... as well as external services, those get sometimes documented extremely well and sometimes not so well. So really tracing through those kind of data paths, understanding the data flow, and then making sure that data is only used appropriately as as it was consented for or contracted for is difficult, but it it can be achieved with uh, enough persistence.
0: Sure. Are there any misconceptions about GDPR that you're seeing?
1: The one that I like most, especially to dispel, is uh, the concept that uh, for, for, to be GDPR compliant already, you have to process data within Europe. That is just, to my legal understanding, fundamentally wrong. There are definitely possibilities, definitely means to process data legally under GDPR in other countries as well. Europe recognizes a number of countries as being having equ- equivalent standards from the start that are outside of the EU or EA. So, So the notion that there is a strong component of data sovereignty and a requirement to process data within Europe seems to us patently false as long as you do implement all the other requirements that you have. So data processors can definitely have their their processing locations in, uh, in the U.S. and in other countries as well. And it's sometimes difficult discussion with customers because there's obviously a strong cultural preference to have the data as close to home as possible. So we're seeing that across the board. There may be other regulations uh, that go beyond GDPR that actually do require a certain level of data sovereignty or localized data processing, but that seems to be outside of the scope of GDPR.
0: Sure, you know, various industries in the past have been subjected to various other compliances. What are some of the important lessons that can be learned from those compliances that can be implemented here?
1: Yeah, definitely a good point. As I said before, we we have already been working within the uh, legal frameworks of the uh, the national privacy laws in the US, uh, in Canada, in Australia, and in all the countries of the EU. So uh, those kind of requirements are already in place. We have learned in the past how to deal with them, how to prepare for them, and then how to maintain compliance, because I think this is one of the most underestimated challenges that we're going to be seeing around GDPR. Everyone is preparing for May 25th, not necessarily, I hope they do, but not necessarily everyone is thinking about, how do I maintain GDPR compliance? It's not only enough to get there once, but then on an ongoing basis maintain that kind of compliance over the lifetime of the law. I've seen also similar initial difficulties and then uh, compliance activities around Sarbanes-Oxley. So when Sarbanes-Oxley came into, into existence in the U.S., and uh, there was a heightened degree of scrutiny around how financial data is being processed, how revenue is recognized, etc., there was some interpretation in the beginning. There was some uh, concerns around readiness for, for, for Sarbanes-Oxley and then a transition into a ongoing kind of compliance activity. I feel GDPR is going to be very similar. It's going to be similar to the HIPAA law or the GLBA in the U.S. So uh, a lot of those laws that have been dealing with uh, data privacy or data security to some degrees have developed over time, they have been interpreted over time, there were adjust- uh, adjustments over time as well. So we should be definitely ready as we get past May 25th to update our overall security regime, our overall privacy controls to whatever is going to be required from us in the future.
0: Sure. Thanks, Gerald, for sharing your views on GDPR and its complexities.
1: Thank you very much for having me.
0: You are listening to Gerald Buschut. For ISIM Genesia, this is Suparna Goswami. Thank you for listening.